This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show. Thank you for joining us again for another great episode and great guest. I've said this ever since we started. I'm so proud of the guests we have on the show. And oftentimes they become uh, really good friends and contacts after the show. And so at the end of the show and in the show notes, we'll put their information on social media. Make sure you connect with them and they, they want to support you and your work as well. So thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please go leave us a review. That helps us kind of move up the charts a little bit. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of go from there. I am Mitch Gray, your host, author of How to Hire and Keep Great People, small business leadership consultant and inspirational speaker, and obviously podcaster. And today on the show, I have uh, have John Chilkatowski. John, I got it right, didn't I? Did I? Nailed it. Nailed it, Mitch. I nailed it. I nailed it. Uh, for those not watching the video, John gave me a thumbs up. I love that. John, thanks for coming on the Mitch Gray Show. Welcome. Thank you, Mitch. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. Yes, I love it. We, as always, we had a great pre-show conversation. People keep telling me, Mitch, record those pre-shows. And after five years, I still forget to record the pre-shows. <laughs> I think I probably should because they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day I'll learn, right? Maybe one day I'll, day I'll learn. Uh, John, you are a uh, really a leadership coach, consultant. You, you work with leaders to gain clarity, confidence, and calm uh, as they find both success and greater satisfaction. And wow, you have more than 25 years of executive leadership experience across multiple industries. Some of your past clients are folks like Verizon, AT&T, Genentech, and I'm sure the list goes on. So John, we always like to start with a big question. And in reading that sentence about helping leaders gain clarity, confidence, and calm, the thought struck me, what in the world does it mean for a leader to have clarity, confidence, and calm? It's a, I love the sentence. I love those three words. But what does that really look like for someone listening going, okay, great, great. You know, sometimes you hear things, you're like, that's a great idea. I have no, no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds great. So explain to the leaders that are listening to the show, what in the world clarity, confidence, and calm might look like mm. it really means. Great question, Mitch. I don't know that I've ever been asked specifically on that. So great opportunity for me to clarify it for myself. <laughs> so, uh, but what I would say, Mitch, where that, where that came from for me was, what do I see a lot of times in leaders, especially leaders in transition, right? So um, they've taken on a new role, they've taken on a new level of responsibility, new organization, new culture, new team dynamic, new uh, big audacious goal in some way. And clarity for me tends to mean um, a lot of getting really clear on what's important, what matters to me at the end of the day. Now, there are, there are work goals, there's business goals, there's you know numbers and timetables and things like that. But then there's like, what really matters to me? You know, how, how do I even know when I'm in integrity or out of integrity, right? Um, 
and and how am I showing up right now? So the clarity part for me is a lot of like, what do I really value? Um, especially if I'm leading a team, what do I want my team every day to go to go out in there? How do they know that they're going to be successful? How am I supporting them? How are they learning and growing? How are they the most intelligent, most well-resourced people in the room, regardless of how I show up in that individual day? Um, so that's one piece. Uh, the confidence definitely comes from a lot of the clarity, uh, but also, you know, here we are, and I'll, I'll link the confidence and the calm together a little bit to save time, maybe, just so I can answer your question uh, before the show ends. Uh, but I think about right now, and we were talking about this in the pre-show, just everything's been stirred up. I mean, I'm looking outside my window and it's snowing and I just think snow globe. That's what I feel like. Someone has shaken, shaken the snow globe of all of us right now. And so in this place where there's so much uncertainty, things seems like they're moving faster sometimes. Sometimes it feels like it's not moving at all, but there's so much complexity and uncertainty. Confidence first and foremost comes from being able to pause and being able to pause intentionally, um, not at the time when we're circling the drain, sick, exhausted, all of those things, but being able to reflect daily, weekly, monthly, um, being able to pull ourselves, I think of like uh, kayaking as a metaphor, pull ourselves out of the white water into this eddy, right? This place where we can look back and be able to say, where have I been? What can I really savor out of this? What have I, what have I accomplished? What are the people around me accomplished? And looking forward, what's ahead? What are the opportunities? What are the obstacles? What really, what do, where do I get alive and think about there? And then making the decision to come back in with all of that. Um, so I'm going to pause there, but just to say, I really look to help leaders find those periods of calm sort of in the middle of the storm. Right. And from that, the confidence comes, the anxiety starts to subside. Um, so I'll pause there, Mitch. And I know that was a lot. That that's, um, we could end the show there almost, right? <laughs> that's incredibly powerful. It, it, it harkens back to um, an episode, just most likely last episode or a few episodes ago as we're recording this. I'm not, I, I can't remember the order and that's okay. But um, where we discussed the idea of really that same idea of calmness in relation to breath. And this idea of, it was with Troy McFadden and this idea of coming back to breath. And, and what's interesting to me is in different words, you're really identifying the same practice. You know, Troy's, Troy's advice and suggestion to our audience was breath is your center. Breath is home. And you can mm. always come back to that. You're identifying that same practice as that place of calm. And, and really what I'm hearing you say is su suggesting that we can, we can create a space of calm that can take place and we can reside in long before desperation. Mm. And I think that's oftentimes the mistake we make as humans and, and, and leaders, especially when you're, when you're, you know, the, the, the pot to use an old adage, the pot of boiling water is on the stove and we're in the middle of it. Yeah. And really what I hear you saying is if we can create that space of calm, whatever that looks like for anyone, for Troy, it was this idea of breath. And that's a, that's an amazing suggestion is when those desperate moments take place, 
we really have removed the desperation. We've done what we can to proactively remove the negative stress. And that really can change the way leaders not only live their lives, but impact their teams. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the word resilience is used a lot. I'm sure you've had people on in, in that conversation. I see what you just said is like the, when I think of resilience, I think of like a ball being dropped, right? And it's like, how far does that ball drop? How fast is it dropping? Like, what's the impact and how long does it take to come back up? What's, what's the bounce back? And so in here, to, to your point, um, Mitch, I'm thinking about these practices, you know, whether it's, it's the one you mentioned or, or other ones, in some way, it's, it's preparing us so that when something strikes us in some way or impacts us in some way, the, the amount that we fall is less and the ability to come back is quicker. Right. I heard this from uh, someone who was a martial arts expert one of their students was watching them and they said, how is it you never get thrown off balance? And they, and they just kind of smiled and said, no, no, you're, you're misreading this. I'm off balance all the time, but I recover so quickly, it appears as if I've never lost my balance. And so I think in the same way here, it's we're not trying to become people who never have impact or, or unfeeling or, you know, that something doesn't affect us. We're not trying to become, you know, necessarily stoic uh, but we are trying to recognize that, hey, if I just allow myself to get thrown around by, by whatever the day offers me, um, I'm not really serving myself. I'm not really serving my team in the way I most likely would because I'm busy dusting myself off rather than moving forward with all the good work we could do in the world. It's funny you bring up martial arts because this morning I was doing some mantra development for myself for 2022 and I was looking up some Bruce Lee uh, um, kind of adages and for those that don't know who Bruce Lee is, you know, kind of considered the king of martial arts and et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of his philosophy was very much the same, right? In fact, I came across a statement that was very similar to what you said is it's like, people would say, how are you so majestic at this? And he's like, well, you're missing the point. It's not that I am. It's just that I've either mastered things or practiced them a million times, or it's kind of a deceit of the eye a little bit. So it's, it's funny you bring up martial arts since I was just looking into that this morning. I want to go back to something you said in your original statement about, um, about clarity. And that is when, when we're talking about leaders and in relation to even your last statement, you know, you, you mentioned people are dusting themselves off. I like to call it oftentimes leaders find themselves spending all of their energy, putting out brush fires rather than focusing on the work that they really should be focusing on. So going back to clarity, how, how does a leader's ability to clarify their workspace relate to clarifying their personal life? Do you see that those are interconnected somewhat is the practice of that interconnected? What, what does that really kind of talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, a few, uh, few different directions we can go off in here, Mitch. One, one is, well, so yes. <laughs> Are they interconnected? Yes. Uh, I, I'll say for myself, you know, when I've worked with a coach or when I've worked with a coach on some of these things myself in my past, um, I found that while there might've been a compelling reason for me to make change in my work life, you know, something wasn't as satisfying or, you know, to your point, I was putting out a bunch of fires only when it was brought home on a personal level 
where else might this be showing up in your life, right? Outside of work. Um, for me, that was the place where I could really find the motivation to start changing. It really hit, it just, you know, if I was unaware or, you know, not conscious, I'll just say in the moment of how it was impacting my relationship with someone in my family or a really good friend, it's not that I don't admire and love the people at work, but it's a different thing. And so when I saw, oh, that's the pain I'm bringing to that relationship outside, well, that just helped me get motivation to change. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause on that one for the moment. But to your point of, um, I think a lot of this is linked to um, what I say is like, you know, why do I keep saying yes when I want to say no? Um, which in turn, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the pocket psychologist here, but when we were young, right, something happened and we got a sense that we had to perform or conform in some way to get love and affection. Like that was at risk. And so now here we are as adults and we're, we're pleasers in some way, right? We're the yes, yes men and yes women. And, and somebody says, will you do this? And you're like, absolutely. And inside you're going, I can't take on one more thing. Um, So, so I think a lot of times the, the idea of like putting out fires uh, whenever I hear that, I, I think there's a question there of, you know, what has you believing that you need to put out all these fires yourself? What has you believing that this is even in your scope, you know? Um, and so, you know, as a coach, I'm hopefully asking good questions to help someone reflect on their own thinking and where it might be just a little twisted, right? I don't mean twisted in a bad way, but just like, it's just a little confused, like, oh, well, I'm saying yes to this because I want to be seen as a team player. Okay, well, now you're exhausted. Your, your, your team can't count on you. So what, what's really helpful about you putting out all these fires? So I'll just pause there, Mitch, and just give you a chance to, to share oh, back. I love that. I love that. Um, that leads me to the thought of, you know, I, I love that you're mentioning the, the connection between what most people would say personal and professional clarity. I only use those words separately because people understand them, but there's a lot of me that's like, they're not disconnected. You know, you don't, you just because you put on your suit and tie or your work clothes and go to a different location doesn't mean you morph into another person. And I think that's, you know, one of the, one of the phrases that I grew up with in my culture that I absolutely abhor is wearing your Sunday best. And Mm. it's like, even as a little Mm. kid, I remember thinking, so wait a second, I'm going to church in my Sunday best because nothing else is good. Like there was just that disconnect. Even <laughs> as a kid that I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. And the interesting thing is we've often applied that to our own lives is we really, we really almost, uh, we really almost desire this compartmentalization. And I think that does go to a conversation you and I were having pre-show about how we often do that because we don't really want to deal with the real issue. And that's what you're identifying here is for that leader that's constantly putting out fires, constantly dusting the, you know, getting the dust off, constantly not, not functioning from that resiliency. I have found, and, and tell me if this is your experience, that the majority of time, that is the result of running from an issue, mm. whether that's an interpersonal issue or, or an issue amongst their team. 
And so then all of a sudden, when you do that over time, you begin to have this disconnect of, you know, in, in the workplace of leadership and team, or even team members amongst other team members, or uh, team members with uh, customers and clients, you start seeing this disconnect and gap grow because mm-hmm. no one really wants to sit with what the real issue is. So, mm-hmm. so how does someone, you, you alluded to it earlier in one of your other statements, how does someone really sit with, um, I love your analogy of, I don't know if you said canoeing or, or rafting or whatever, how does someone see the white rapids of in front of them, these issues that we're talking about and say, okay, we're going to have the bravery and courage to get through them because we can't get to the peaceful waters without going down the waterfall. Mm. But gosh, does that take some courage and it takes (laughs) it hiring someone like you to come in and work through that. But just, you know, in a, in a 30, 30 second to a minute snapshot, how does someone really summon the courage and bravery to face what really needs to be Mm. shifted? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question, Mitch. Yeah, I think it's, well, I'll say a lot of time for, well, why don't we stick with the, you know, sort of people pleaser notion, right? Because like, that's a common one from my, my experience. I think in those cases, sometimes it's hard for someone to do it for themselves. Mm. Just honestly, it just wow. is. Wow. And so I usually say, okay, well, for your team, like what's, what's happening right like how is how is this uh, affecting your team what's possible as you and your team move beyond this um or what's the cost of this you just keep going for six months in the future right. year in the future where are you at then where's your team at then what's your expectation are these people going to stick around what are you offering them as a vision so it's it's not judgmental it's just kind of the questions you hope someone will ask you before you keep going down a path that's, that's just getting, you know, darker and darker, to be honest. Right. Um, so I know I probably went over 30 seconds, Mitch, but I would say like, it's, 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 I I think to my time for, okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, so I, I just say quite often it's for me, especially in that case of, of people where they're finding it hard to do it for themselves. It's recognizing like, what's the impact of me doing this, not doing this, having on my team who I really care about. And that team, to your point, could, we could be talking about a work team. We could be talking about family and friends. Um, where am I showing up uh, that I'd rather not? Where am I showing up that, or where am I not showing up that I really want to? So what do I want that I don't have? What do I have that I don't want? You know, it's like those kinds of questions. And and but back to that that you know sort of whitewater kayak, kayaking piece is like we move at such a speed now. I know we're talking about you know bringing humanity back into the workplace. Um, there has to be whether it's by breath or whatever. It has to be some you know lather, rinse, repeat thing that's happening for us around reflection before we hop back in and take more action. Um, you know, as someone said, you know, it, it's great to be efficient if we're going in the right direction. But if we're not, you know, um, it's like getting in a cab and they say, well, where do you want to go? Anywhere but the airport. Okay, well, where are you going to end up? Anywhere but the airport. Anywhere but the nope. airport, right. That's, that's all we know. Um, and probably going to pay a lot for that cab ride. <laughs> wow. That, yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. And so, so then the question really becomes... 
how, you know, you, you mentioned someone really wanted to take action on that and someone really wanted to move forward with that, but what, what, what are some of the tangible steps? <laughs> because we've really offered some ideation on what this could look like on some of the barriers and challenges that people face, but what are two or three really actionable steps that a leader could listen to this show and go, yep, they've just painted the picture of my life. (laughs) Mm. So what are two or three things that they could begin doing? Even, even today, as they listen to the show, they stop the show they, they get done on their lunch break or they get done in the gym and they say, I want to begin applying something now. Okay. It's a good one. So first and foremost, Mitch, what I'll say is like, someone asked me the other day, like, what do I believe like coaching encourages us to do? Like, what is it about that? And I, I think coaching encourages us to unlock our greatness by working on the hard stuff. So I think what you're asking here is, it's for me as a coach, it's how does someone engage with the hard stuff? Right. 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 So I think, you know, the question I, I, one way or another, I'm, I'm wanting to always ask the people I'm working with. It's like, what is one worthy goal? What's like, what's one thing you're working on right now that you believe will change people's lives. Now, we don't have to talk about solving world hunger or poverty or <laughs> violence. You know, it's not, it doesn't have, it could be that, but it doesn't have to be that. It's like, what, what in your, and I'm saying yours to leaders out there is like, what in your work, why, why do you get out of bed and do that? You know, um, and in continuing to do that, what's that difference that you hope to achieve? You know, other people are going to, you know, your team, even like what, what are they, how are they going to benefit? And I would say a lot of times we don't know that that requires some reflection. Mm. So I think just first and foremost, it's like, like if I've got one thing, one way in which I hope to improve people's lives, the people around me, what's that one thing. And so let's just say somebody says, Oh, well, um, it's about courage. Like I really bring courage to, um, to everyone around me. Okay. So then what's one thing where you might really struggle to find courage right now? Because again, that thing that we can often do for others might be the most challenging things for ourselves. Right. So, um, and so it's getting at this question of like, okay, you got this big goal. That's your project. That's something you want to have happen in the world. If it's big, if it really meets that criteria, that in some way it requires us to change and learn and grow. So what do we need to change, learn, grow? In what ways to meet that? Because if we don't have that, then we pro- if, we, if we don't have like a, ooh, that sounds a little scary. Ooh, that sounds, if we don't have that feeling somewhere in probably the pit of our stomach, uh, it, there's probably the, wor- the worthy goal is maybe not... Uh, as worthy yet. There's something big. I don't mean to, I don't mean to downplay it, just saying there's something bigger. And so it's how to start dreaming about that. And if you don't know what that is, talk with a mentor, talk with a coach, talk, you know, talk with someone about like, I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. Help me. What do you see in me? So I would say getting other people into the game, getting out of our own heads is probably the first step I would say, Mitch, in that. 
I love that. It's like the old saying that someone says, if your goals don't scare you, then they're not big enough. And awesome. it's very yeah. similar to what you're saying is if it, if it doesn't make you feel a little bit sick and queasy, then probably need to jump for something a little bit higher because really the adage there is it's, it has to be so valuable to you that it pushes you forward, especially when you're doing the difficult work. And, and that's mm -hmm. got to be pretty, something pretty lofty, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, John, let's go back as we kind of begin wrapping up our message a little bit, let's go back to leaders and dealing with their teams. So we've really dealt with kind of the interpersonal side of leadership really at the end of the day, mm -hmm. but let's go back to how they engage their teams. What, what is something that, what's a perspective that a leader could have? Because they're not only going through this, but if a leader, if a leader doesn't understand that their people are going through the same issues, then they're incredibly ignorant. And, and, and that's a red flag for poor leadership. So let's say we have a leader that is cognizant and aware enough to know I'm not the only one going through things. Everyone else is as well. Yeah. So yeah. that leader, uh, that open-minded, open-hearted leader, what, what are some things that they could do to really maybe watch for, and then maybe support their team, um, to help them grow as well, professionally and personally. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big topic, Mitch, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to focus in on a couple things here. So I think you, you, you hit on it right there is like the open heartedness to me implies curiosity. And I, um, you know, a lot of people out there have team meetings, uh, especially with Zoom now. A lot of people are on one-on-ones in different ways. Um, but I encounter leaders sometimes who are like, yeah, these these one-on-ones, they're just kind of getting in the way. Right. Right. And so um, I, if, if someone out there is listening and they feel that way, I guess like from my perspective, I'm just saying, if you don't do them, do them. <laughs> if you do, if you do already have one-on-ones, it's how to find, how to carve out a space in there consistently around curiosity for how this person in front of you is developing as a leader, if that makes it more comfortable to say it, it's, it's also as a human, but let's just say as a leader. So I like to say, you know, the question, that question could be put to them really easily, you know, and, and it, it, we're not talking about annual review kind of stuff. It could, right. it could fold into that, but it's much more of like, Hey, um, you know, I'd love to support you in your leadership journey. It's like, what's one thing you're working on right now? Like over the next 90 days, what's something you hope to get better at? You know, and it could be, you know, starting something, stopping something, continuing something, you know, like what's one of those things. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to understand that. And, and this may be significant, being willing to share that for yourself yes. with them. Yes. Now you're not trying to lean on them, but it's modeling and an awareness of yes. if you don't have that, why are you, why are you asking that of someone else? Right. Um, and so I'd say like that conversation ongoing, whether it's done from a, a coaching style, which is more question oriented, mm -hmm. um, you know, reflection oriented, or it's from a mentoring style, more sharing your own experience and where you were when you were in their role, maybe. Um, if there's another way to bring, I mean, I'll just put it this way. If there's like a cheap, easy way, to bring humanity into the everyday uh, and improve those relationships and, and probably people's satisfaction. Like that's one I would say right there. I love that one. Um, and you use the word th that that's what I, that's exactly an example of what I call leading from your humanity is having the courage to be vulnerable 
And again, you, you said it perfectly. We're, we're not going to be Michael Scott from the office, but we are going to be the people that are okay with being vulnerable. You know, Hey John, thank you so much for sharing that. Do you mind if I share one of my struggles with you? And it could be just very surface level. It could be, you know, you're, you didn't quite hit your training goals in the gym this month or whatever, but, but having that connection point is, is I think it's more powerful than leaders often give it credit. And I think it does more for the morale and growth of their team than they actually realize. Um, and so I love that you pointed out that connection point because it, it is such an empowering moment. Um, when, when, a, when a team member slash employee can look at a leader and go, oh, they're human. Yeah. They get it. They, they understand. Um, I, I actually experienced that a, a real quick story. Cause I think you'll have a, a response to this. My, my gut feeling <laughs> early, early on in my business leadership career, I, I couldn't have been 22 years old, really young. I was running a multi-million dollar store for a company and I was learning as I went, you know, I mean, at 22, everybody is, but I, I was pretty open with my team. I, I, I kind of always led that way, even in my teenage years, I just knew that there was a point of human connection. I, I knew that much. And so I wasn't afraid to share my story with, with my team. And a part of my story is, you know, I, I had my first kid at 18 years old and got married seven days after my 19th birthday. I mean, it was a really young start for us. And while it was also, you know, there, there's major blessings in that area. There's also major challenges. And I was okay with sharing that with some of my team, depending on the scenario. Well, one kid in particularly, I had shared that story with, cause he had been, he was a teenage high school part-time kid and he'd been struggling with some stuff. So anyway, <laughs> one night we're closing the store down and this kid comes banging on the front, front gate of the store. And so one of my employees comes to the back room where I was, is like, Hey, Mitch, so-and-so's here. Like, should we let him in? I'm like, well, yeah. Like, why would you not let him in? He's something's going on. Sure enough, the kid comes to the back of the store. He's like, Mitch, I really need to talk to you. And he's like weeping. I mean, just distraught. Mm. I'm like, mm. okay. So I get one of my other managers to kind of take over what I was doing to close out. And he and I go into a, to my office. He's a senior in high school. And he had just found out his girlfriend's pregnant. He had just told his parents and it did not mm. go well. And he said, Mitch, the first person I knew to come to was you because I knew you mm. had been through that. Mm. And it, it really um, pains me to know that many, many leaders fear that type of vulnerability. Mm. They fear that level of connection. And a lot of mm. it is from the spirit of authoritarianism. I'm the authority head. People can't know that about me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if leaders could really go through their mind's eye from a 50,000 foot perspective and understand how empowering they can truly be to people. Hmm. Growth would never be a problem. Revenue would never be a problem. Success would hmm. never be a problem because they hmm. would have more people more willing to work hard for them than hmm. they could ever pay out. Hmm. And if we can just get leaders to connect with that and understand how empowering that idea is. It's an awesome story, Mitch. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's that was got, 20, uh, 20 something, you know, 25 uh, years ago. And I, it still almost makes me cry sometimes because it yeah. meant that much to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I would guess to them as well, right? 
Um, I still keep in contact with that guy, by the way. Yeah. Oh man. Life doing well for himself. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Cool story. Yeah. So what I, what I hear, you know, I, this came up for me when I was, um, when I was first exposed to coaching, when I had it, when I had a coach the first time and I didn't really know what it was all about. And I remember at some point, um, I can't remember what the specific situation was, but basically they put to me, you know, they're like, um, so it seems like you have a choice here. You can choose to be right or you can choose to connect. What do you think about that? Now, um, they use some other, some other, they said, you know, you can be, you can choose to connect or you can choose to protect yourself. And um, likewise, I would say now I, I could also, you, you kind of um, reminded me of this. I would probably say like, okay, do you want to be seen as being perfect or as being a learner? You know, like any of these could be kind of lenses to look through. So um, yeah, so I, I would say, I think the perfect and learner one more often comes up, but, and to your point, you know, I've definitely worked with a lot of people who say, I'm just really authentic. I just tell it like it is with a lot of things, but not necessarily personal history, not necessarily what they're, what they're working on might not even be a struggle for them, but just some way in which they want to improve themselves for the sake of the team, for the sake of the business. It doesn't matter. Um, and so, yeah, on the one level, it's, it's vulnerable, but on another level, I'm just like, what do you want your team to be? Do you want your team to be a bunch of like perfectionist minded robots, you know, or do you, do you acknowledge that innovation comes through learning? Um, engagement comes through learning. Um, what is it to, I don't know, there's all kinds of stats, but two thirds of the people out there are either planning to leave or, or thinking about leaving their work. Yes. And so this, this idea that, yeah, it'd be terrible if all those people left. And it's like, but it's even worse if they stay because what kind of work are they doing? Um, and what level of satisfaction are they receiving? Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll pause on that, uh, Mitch, but I would just say that was for me, that was, you know, quite a few years ago that I had that first brought to my mind as a, you know, either, or, and, and that it's really hard when you're doing one to do the other. So there's a, there's a positive twist in that of, you know, the more we focus on being a learner, um, being willing to connect with others, uh, being willing to put ourselves out there a little bit, the less time we're spending on trying to put up this perfectionist facade that's, that's not really true anyway. Um, and more likely, we're going to engage the people around us and lead them to further learning and growth. Um, yeah. And the truth is, people aren't stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're not fooling anyone. That's the truth of the matter. And, and I want to tell people, um, you know, they're, they're, you, you have to know within your personality and within your team and, and with different people on your team, you're going to be able to show different types of vulnerability. Um, but that also lends to, we're not going to get into it today. That also lends to knowing your team well. And, and knowing yeah. at what levels of connection, you know, for, for someone on your team, it may just be simply checking in on them. Hey, how's your family? You know, how, how's, how's this, uh, you know, how'd that test go? Whatever. For some people, it may be like the story I shared. It may be getting much more vulnerable with them. Mm -hmm. But really, that's the crux of great leadership, right? Is being aware enough and relatable enough to know, um, John needs to be connected at this level. Mitch needs to be connected at this level. It's like they say in the athletic world, you can't coach two people the same way. 
because right. they're different people and you can't coach 50. I mean, you better be effective enough in your communication and ability that you're able to coach 150 people, 150 different ways. And that's what mm -hmm. great leadership is. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage people to really explore what's taking place and reach out to people like John who have expertise. Don't go it alone is my point. And it can be John, whoever else we've had on the show or anyone else, you know, just find that mentor. And you alluded to it earlier. Um, don't, don't, don't try and, uh, don't try and guide the, the canoe on your own, the kayak. <laughs> don't, don't guide the kayak on your own. It's much better when you have a team that's working in, in synchronicity to do that together. So John, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for the conversation. Tell people before we end how they can reach out to you, uh, kind of what resources you have. Those will also be on your profile page, but let people know while we're talking how they can connect with you. Yeah, well, thank you, Mitch. I just want to say it's been a pleasure as well. Um, the easiest way to connect with me is my website, um, www.northstar-coaching.com. And uh, you'll see on there, I've got things that I do one-to-one, -one, things that I do with groups. And um, that's, that's really the easiest way for people to connect with me. And I, again, just love the conversation, Mitch. Thanks so much. Yeah, good. Awesome, John. I appreciate you. Uh, brothers and sisters, thank you again for listening to The Mitch Grace Show. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and invite a friend. Let's see if we can build our listenership this year. It'd be great to spread our message of leadership and positivity to more people. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media. Um, also check out our new website, recruitgreatpeople.com. If you are in a hiring position, we have so many free tools and, uh, and opportunities there for you. Also newly released is our uh, How to Hire and Keep Great People curriculum. And so you can uh, go, go grab that. And in the next few weeks, we'll be releasing on the show and other ways, some discount opportunities there for you as well for the first 60 days of the release. So thanks again for listening and we will talk to you soon.